0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping Love. It's Another one this week. You're not going to get rid of us. There's just so much to talk about. So thank you for joining us. We appreciate the support. Tim's here. Tim, are you getting a little tired? I know it's hard for you to work so many days in a row. You'd like to get your rest and to just kind of decompress. Are you doing okay with this much work?
1: It's less about the work and needing rest and more about just needing a break from you. Um that's mean. <laughs> Sometimes your accent comes out. By the way, doesn't doesn't happen that often. You don't have a strong accent, but you just said there's so much to talk about. So much to talk Did about. I? Yeah, yeah. It comes out every so often.
0: I wonder why. I'm not usually it comes out after I've had a few sociables, but I haven't. It's uh, it's the afternoon. I don't know. Maybe it's because we we're gonna do voicemails, and, and I heard some guy. It sounded like he was from Alberta, and I just. Harken back to my childhood and it just brings me back there. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's, you know, what else was funny and maybe people who are married can relate to this. Here we go.
2: So
0: <laughs> Here we go. I've called my wife two or three times today. She has not answered. I st- Before we pressed record, I said, there's a hundred percent chance in my head that she's going to call. Sure enough, she just called right now. And we just started the podcast. I'm like, uh, obviously someone stole my identity and filed the taxes on my behalf. So I'm trying to call her. Yeah. So I, yesterday was tax day and I didn't realize someone does my taxes and they filed them yesterday for some reason. I don't know. They've been ready for months. I know why I didn't sign a piece of paper. It was my fault. Anyways, they they went to submit and they're like, Yeah, you've you've already filed your taxes. And so someone stole my identity. I don't know what it is. So I was just calling her to say, Is her how's our credit card? Anyway, she didn't answer. She just called. It's fine. Not a big deal, but I knew it was gonna happen. I'm sure people who are married can relate to that. And also relate to the fact that if she were to call me two or three times, she would be upset. Like, why aren't you answering? But it's fine for her not to answer it's carte blanche She can do whatever she wants
1: i was just thinking that most people not most people many people would would be panicked or assuming something's wrong if you call your spouse three times and they don't pick up but not you yeah she
0: no not she's <laughs> <laughs> women are bad with their phones it's i think it's a universal thing where they just don't answer or they see their husband or boyfriend or whatever calling and they just don't bother i don't know they like to be chased maybe that's it I, do, I answer. I don't know. Is he really raising
1: your kids, that. John. Yeah. They raise themselves
0: by this point. I don't know what she does. Just kidding. She's a hero. Okay. Moving on, Tim. We got, got the voicemails to get to. We got four games, some redemption stories. Some teams really clawed back into the series with some statement wins. Other teams, I don't know what to make of it. So let's just jump right into it. Tim, obviously, we set up this voicemail for everybody to call in and ask us questions be a part of the show interactive and we got a lot of responses a lot so tim combed through them and picked out three that we're going to do right now just to kind of get this ball rolling i don't know what to expect he let me listen to one of them i don't know what the other two are so let's see how it goes tim why don't you uh let her rip let's see what these voicemails got
1: Sure. So this is very analog. I'm holding up my phone to the speaker. We'll we'll get more sophisticated as we do this more, but um, we're just going to let it rip. Like I said, the first one is well. I'll, I'll let him speak for himself. Here it is. Hey, I'm
2: from Saskatchewan, Canada. If I wanted to call John out on his pretending to be an Oilers fan. He can't cheer for Calgary, but they're an Oilers fan. But I do want to thank him for what he's done to Calgary the last two years. That. Also, I'd like to know where did John put himself, honestly, and in the, in the fighters of all time. Be careful you to know, them all. Love the show.
0: You guys have a good one. Guy sounds like all my uncles, every single <laughs> one of them. I got <laughs> Warren. I got Ryan. I got Ronnie and Johnny. That He sounds like all of them. I don't think I've been pretending to be an Oilers fan. If anything, I've been their biggest critic, and I'm outright in saying that I hope they lose. So I don't – maybe I, I am – Seeing the light that they're a really good team this year, and I picked them in my prediction. But I, I don't think I'm an Oilers fan by any stretch of the word, right? D- do you get that take from me that I, I've switched, Tim, just because they've gotten better?
1: Well, you do talk about them more than most teams, but I think it's usually in the negative light. So maybe yeah. you, you love to hate them, hate to love them. I don't know. But he's right. You, you do kind of you talk about both teams a lot, actually, Calgary and well. And- <laughs>
0: Listen, I I like the way Calgary was built, and I don't want to talk about them because they're out of the playoffs. But I did like their team makeup the last few years, and I thought they were you know destined for greater things. But obviously, that did not happen. (laughs) Moving on to his question, where do I place myself in the in the hierarchy of fighters of all time? It's tough. It's like where is Connor McDavid? I'm not saying I'm Connor McDavid, but comparing him to Wayne Gretzky, it's different eras, different ways of playing, different ways of training. If I were to go back. You know, in the first 50 years of the NHL, I would be an animal. I would beat the tar out of every one of those guys because they were all six foot one. You know, there wasn't any many tall hockey players as things progressed and people started to train and people started to focus on fighting more. Obviously, guys got tougher. The 70s, the 80s, the 90s, there were some tough cats in that that time frame. I think that was the golden era of fighters. When the Proberts, the Domies, the Koshers, the Twists, the Chases, the all of these guys were just absolute murderers. So I think when you're going to place yourself in the rankings, that's the era that you focus on. The Stu Grimson's, the Craig Cox, the Dave Browns, those types of fighters. And then obviously during my time frame, you have
2: you know the Periloses, the Oars, the McIntyres, those types. I want to say I would be... Top 20, maybe
0: top 20. I, w- I would say I would slide right in there. My, my knock is I didn't get into many fights. I, I don't think people saw me fight because I didn't fight very often. And when I did it every year, I think that the two or three toughest guys were Steve McIntyre, Brian McGrattan, and myself. And Colt Norr was sliding in and out of there. I lost to Colt Norr because he punched me in the stomach. I didn't fight Mac because I said no one in a preseason game and Brian McGratton didn't want to fight me. So I feel like I didn't have that competition. I fought other tough guys and I won, but the creme de la creme, I didn't really fight very often. So I'm not going to put myself in the top 10. If there was one of those battle of the guard, ice guardians or whatever, and we had everybody in their prime from all time, I'm confident in my skills. I'm confident in my assets. I'm tall. I have good balance. I am not a reckless fighter. I picked my punches. I was very accurate with my punches. I was able to protect myself. I, I firmly believe I could be top, you know, in that thing, top five. So, but just as it stands right now, that all that aside, I think I'm t- top 20. If, if, you know, if you just go on hockeyfights.com and you look at all the fights, you go, you know, he's top 20. I didn't lose many. I lost two Colt Noir and Justin Johnson. Those are the only two that I lost. I won the other. 100 or so, 95. I don't know how many I got, but I, I have a good record. So, interesting question.
2: Thank you for calling in. All right, let's do another one here. This is from Pittsburgh, Virginia, originally from Alberta, Canada. John, have you ever talked to Bill Kessel since the incident, or have you heard anything through the great Brian about what he thought about when you tried to jump him? Thanks. but try
0: to <laughs> successfully didn't punch him. Um, thanks for the question. A lot of Alberta. Love it. Um, I have not sat down and talked to him face to face. We've exchanged text messages. And I did talk to him. I've, I've, I've said this on the podcast a few times. I talked to him in the hallway at the Air Canada Center, either directly after the incident or the next time he went there. And I was very Uncomfortable. I grabbed him around the shoulder and I was like, everything's fine, right, Phil? And he just like squirmed away. He wasn't comfortable at all. I've heard through the grapevine from friends of his that are mine that he, he didn't really care for the situation. And um, it's not that he doesn't like me, but it was just so, yeah, he didn't like it. So, no, I, I haven't talked to him. I would love to have him on the show. I texted him and I've been harassing him for the better part of three years now. And he he responded once saying, I don't do podcasts. Thank you. I hope all is well. So you can't fault him with that. There's a few guys that don't want to come on the show. They just don't do podcasts. He's one of them. Anthony Duclair is another one. He's like, I just don't do it. So everybody has podcasts. What do you mean? Everybody has a podcast. That's how do you not do podcasts? It's what people do these days. But good question. Thank you.
1: One more, right. Tim. Let's move on. Last one. This one's a little bit of a longer one.
2: Oh, Hey, I'm from Wilson, North Carolina, about three hours east of uh, Tim there in Charlotte. Big fan of the show, really love it. Got it. Got a question for John. I know you're not like an enforcer, tough guy, NHL all-star, big dude, but what I pick up from the show is I can tell you're a good dad, man. I'm a single parent of a seven-year-old little girl. You know, I don't have a mom at home that helps me do things. You know, I learned how to braid, curl hair, do nails match clothes, things like that. I wanted to ask John, what is your proudest dad skill? Or what was the hardest one to learn? Or just any, like, you know, dad aspect of being the dad of a daughter or daughters that you just take the most pride in. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking my call. I don't miss an episode. And um, let's go again.
0: Interesting question. Yeah, good. Uh, thank you for calling in. That that's probably one of the bigger compliments I've ever had on this show. Yeah, hockey great, hockey great. I do pride myself in trying to be a good parent. Uh, um The biggest compliment I've gotten and my wife have gotten is we'll go to a restaurant with everybody, and after the fact, we'll have people come up to us and say your children are the most well behaved children we've ever seen, and they go thank you. Like it's great and. I'm just like nailed it. Cause in my mind, I'm like, my kids are awful. We go to eat and my whole entire meal. I'm just focused on them. Like sit on your bum. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Like, stop throwing, eat your food, you know, say, thank you, say please to the waitress or waiter. And those things where you can get a glimpse of their future and be like, okay, they're doing good. You know, because I think when you're a parent, you see everything through the lens of a, a negative where you're just like constantly on top of your kids, but from an outside perspective, people see it. I'm like, gosh, there's seven kids there, and they're for the most part being well behaved. So that that was a good one. And then, yeah, you mentioned it your your hair skills. It's always neat when I drop them off at school and right before they enter the door. I'm like, all right, what do you want? You want a high pony, low pony, pigtails? You want this? I don't know how to braid very well, just because the kids braid their own hair now, and I just I never really knew. So, but I, I do the ponytails pretty good. I can wrap my whole ha- hand around their head. And get it tight and so they enjoy that but yeah i think just getting the validation from other people that they are well behaved was a nice little feather in my cap so good one keep going man yeah good luck with your daughter i got two seven-year-olds it's a tricky age thank you for calling all right tim that was good why don't you give out the number maybe and um people call in we we enjoy listening to them and uh, maybe ask some questions to tim like how's his love life how's his how this date progressed into possible marriage, I've heard? So, you know, Tim Tim likes to answer questions.
1: Yeah, I got a few, but those are some of the best ones. We probably got like 20 so far, so keep them coming. The number is 980 8146 Leave a voicemail. We'll we'll get it. We'll start doing more of this, especially in the summer and the offseason. So go ahead and try that out. You seem like you're
0: not in a great mood, Tim. Is that because the Bruins got absolutely waxed last night? Did that have anything to do with it? Let's just jump right into it. Bruins, Panthers. Panthers crushed them. What was it? Seven to four, Tim? Final score? It was six to three. Six to three. The Florida Panthers answer and really take it to the Boston Bruins throughout the whole game. The Bruins look sluggish. Linus Allmark looked very bad. I don't know what happened between game one and game two. Allmark looked bad. Just awful. Some of the goals, it, maybe two of them he could have saved. There was, I mean, excuse me, two of them were not his fault. Three of them were just outright shots he could have saved. The second one from Montour from the point, I think stall he could have had a blocker on it. The pad stack, cross ice. I've never seen allmark pad stack in my life, and he's coming across like Andy Moog trying to pad stack. I don't understand that. He didn't look like he was in position for a lot of the shots. He didn't look sharp. He was bad. A ton of turnovers, uncharacteristic turnovers from Carlo. From McAvoy, all around bad game from the Boston Bruins. What happened? What happened? You're at home. You're the President's Trophy winner. You could put this series away with a win. Go out to Florida, up to rip. Bergeron's coming back potentially, but no, you blow it. Florida has momentum now. What happened? What happened, Tim, to your big bad Bruins? <laughs>
1: Well, you kind of just did a pretty good recap there of all the things that went wrong and one of the knocks on this team all season long was that as good as they are, they can go out there and look like a completely different team for for 60 minutes where you don't even recognize them. The the style of play, the the pace, they just they just didn't do really do anything right. I think the, the biggest takeaway for me was how bad they were with the puck. The the turnovers like you said, the passes weren't really tape to tape, they weren't winning the one-on-one battles, they weren't moving like they usually do. Not everyone was playing, you know, played a bad game, but overall it just wasn't, it was hard to watch. It was like, uh, <laughs> I was switching back and forth between different games because I just didn't want to watch it. And uh, you saw the, the Garden Faithful leaving the game early after it was maybe 5-2 or, or something. So, um, but credit to the Panthers too. As bad as the Bruins were, the Panthers played really well. It just took everything away. There was a whole time where like, even the broadcast was saying like how exciting the game was, but it wasn't. It was kind of boring. A lot of back and forth, no sustained offense. The Panthers were just like choking um, all the, the 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 Bruins play, moving up to the ice through the neutral zone. They just couldn't get anything going, and so wasn't a good night. And Olmark, like you said, wasn't great either. I, I thought he made a couple of big saves. There was one really early on where the bad turnover. Forget who it was, but Kachuk passed it to the guy, and he had probably like three seconds in front of the net by himself. And Olmark stoned him, and he thought, okay. Going to be a good game, but it wasn't. And now that kind of brings a question that a lot of people are asking this morning: Do you go with Swayman for Game Three? Now, in addition to last night's performance, you didn't look great. You also have the lingering factor. We don't know, but obviously Montgomery and the, and the coaching staff would know. Almark was sick. He was one of those guys who was on the list dealing with illness. Is that still lingering? To that impact, how we played last night, we'll see. And I saw some conversations online about whether it looks like a panic move where if you bring your backup in after a bad game, it looks like you're panicking. It it hurts all marks confidence. It sets you backwards. I don't think that's the case with the Bruins just because of how good Swayman is. They won the Jennings trophy for the best uh, goalie combo in the league. Swayman is a legit starter in the NHL. He was top, I don't know, five in all the key categories except for wins because he didn't get as many starts, but he still got a bunch. And so I don't think it's a panic move if you go with him. Um, I, I don't I don't know what Montgomery's going to do, but what do, you, what do you think? Do you, do you start Swayman uh, or Allmark? It's interesting
0: the goaltender situation with a lot of teams this offseason. Uh, we'll touch on most of them, if not all of them, but I think you go back to Allmark. He played good in game one, not so good in game two. He was your starter throughout the season. I know they had time to share, but he got the majority of the games. You give him one more chance to try to right the ship. It's still early in the series. If he's bad, you're only down two to one. You can come back. There's, there's, you know, plenty of time. Then you put Swayman in for four in the foreseeable future. If you go to Swayman in game three and he wins and then he falters in game four, are you just going to keep going back and forth with your goalies? You lose a game. You're out and you win a game. You're in. I think you have to tr- you stick with one guy. You stick with all And as soon as you think he's not the guy, then you go with Swayman from here on out for the rest of the series, because you can't play these mental gymnastics with these goaltenders in the playoffs. This is all Mark's net. He's the first to say he didn't play great. He wants the net, give him game three. If he falters early on, take him out. Swayman has the rest of the series. That's, that's what Montgomery should do. If he plays this game of, okay, one game and you're done. That's equally worse for a goaltender because you're feeling so much pressure for every single shot. It's like, gosh, if I don't make this save, I'm going to be gone next game. You want to make a goaltender feel comfortable so they can go out there and perform. Let Almarc have the net. That that's where I think he should go. I don't know. Coaches are a different breed these days. I I don't understand a lot of the decisions that are happening with. Especially the goaltenders this playoff round. I, I don't get it, but just okay. Bruins were bad. Allmark was bad. The Panthers were very good. The goaltender was great. Le- Lion, Leon, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Lion. He was Lion. very, very good. You know who is a difference maker? Sam Bennett jumps back into the lineup for the Florida Panthers. He played very, very good. Gets an early goal, which Allmark should have saved, but he gets an early goal. Key guy on the four check, um, causing a turnover. Another goal for the Florida Panthers, I think it was Stahl's goal. He was a very effective guy. He logs right in there on that second-line center with Matthew Kuchuk and Etulustadranin, and they played really well. So Florida, good for them. Going back to Florida 1-1, you can't feel good if you the Boston Bruins. You got a bug going around. Bergeron's not there. Up in the air for your goaltenders. Florida has all the momentum. They figured out how to score in 4-check and beat this team. Uh, are you nervous that this could all of a sudden get away from you and you're out of the playoffs. So if you're the Boston Bruins,
1: it's not a, it, it's, it seems like it could go bad fast. It could. Cause if it was like a close game and you're losing overtime or something, it's still a one, one series, but it's a totally different vibe. Where it was right there. They got blown out last night, John, they got blown yeah. out and it was a double whammy because they played bad and Florida played good. Like it wasn't just like them hurting themselves or Florida playing exceptional. It was both. And um, yeah, it could be bad. Bennett was good last night. And also they talked about this in the broadcast too. Bennett comes back, which drops Saul down to his fourth line, which is where he's at his most effective. What happens? Bennett scores a goal, Stahl scores a goal. And so you got, you got the depth there that they're, they're rolling with. You know, who else is really, really good. I've been impressed with this whole series. Gustav Forsling, that guy flies. He can throw the body He makes a good first pass. He's a really good player. He's kind of doing, um, He's replacing Weger, I think, in that lineup. There, he's still number two to Ekblad, but he's doing a lot of a lot of big minutes. And so, yeah, going back to your question, I am I am nervous. I am nervous because this could you go down two to one. You're on the road. It's it's an ugly game to go and then go play two road games. That's that's yeah. a tough way to do it right now. It's a t- it's a hard day for Boston Bruins right now. Another
0: guy in that back end who I mentioned before the series who had a fantastic
1: game, Brandon Montour,
0: played great. Flies too, flies around, very good on the back end. Puts in two goals, one of them suspect. The first one I liked was seeing eye shot. By the way, what are the Bruins doing trying to block shots out there? It it was Charlie Coyle and another Bruin rushing out to Brandon Montour. If you're going to block it, block it. Get out of the way. You completely screen Allmark, and he's able to just pick a corner, and it's in the, in the back of the net. So bad. It's just – it was a bad game all around for the Boston Bruins. The one thing I did, like – And I was talking with Tim about this before the show. The contrast between the Bruins getting blown out and the Leafs getting blown out. You could tell the Bruins were angry. You could tell they were just upset with what was going on. Toronto was fine with it. They're like, ho-hum, we're getting blown out. Let's just move on. The Bruins were being feisty. They were hitting. They were chirping. They were face-washing. They wanted to just get out that anger that you could tell that was inside of them. Marshawn, Bertuzzi, Frederick, all these guys were, were giving it to him pretty good. So I like that. I know it doesn't do anything at the end of the day. You still lose the game, but it does send a message to the Florida Panthers and it does send a message to the rest of your team. It's like, this isn't good enough. You should be pissed off. We've got to do better next game. Contrast that to the Leafs where it was just like we're getting smoked. This stinks. Wah. Okay, let's get out of here as quick as we can and not even show up. Telling you that does mean something. All right, moving on. Hurricanes Islanders, another close one. Overtime, Carolina Hurricanes. Jesper Fast gets the big OT winner. Takeaway from this game, Brent Burns. He's the best player so far in this series. He's fantastic. He buzzes around, good and bad. He's given up kind of partial breakaways, two on ones at some time at some point, but for the most part, most of the offense that Carolina has been mustering. Has been coming through Brent Burns. He looks very good. He was the best player in the first game. Game two was the same thing. Quick transitions up to the forwards. Jumping up in the play. Quick shots on net. Creating rebounds. Creating chaos. He's been playing great. He's playing so incredibly good. He's comfortable there. He slides right right next to Jakob Slavin. Who, by the way, a couple goals on him. Like, what are you doing if you're the goaltender? Cover up the post. He banks it off your head. Very... Uh, un Sorokin-like, but very good game from the back end for the Carolina Hurricanes. They played great. What's your takeaway from this uh, game there, Tim?
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's the whole defense, too. There's two goals from Slavin, and very uncharacteristic for, for Sorokin. Like, this isn't the series that he's... He hasn't looked like himself his whole series. So now you go back to New, uh, Long Island and maybe they find their groove. I was watching this one and kind of flipping back and forth with the, with Boston and they were, they were down to nothing early the Islanders. And I don't really have a dog in this fight, but for the sake of my bracket my predictions and, and being right, I was like, Oh, here we go again. And then they battle back and then they get the lead. And then Carolina ties it up and they go to overtime. And here's the, the story of this game was the power play, the special teams, and more, more specifically, the lack of it, how lopsided it was. Carolina got six power plays. The Islanders got zero. Six to zero. I understand. That's, like that's unheard of. If it's like five to two, like that's lopsided. But sometimes just one team does more things worthy of penalties over a game. Like sometimes it is that lopsided. It's never six to zero lopsided, and including that that one um, in overtime right before the fast goal where um, who was it that gets the high stick right in the face and they don't call it. And then fast goes down and scores. I understand. Fans were pissed. They were pissed last night. They're pissed today. I don't blame them. And so um, it's funny because not funny, but Tuevo Terra broke his hand last night um, on a slash. And he's going to miss probably the, at least the rest of the series, if not more. And so Rod the bod was, was pissed. He said, uh, quote, I'm a little pissed to be honest with you. He wasn't happy with the non-call. He wasn't happy with his player's injury. One of their star guys. <laughs> you got six power plays to none, man. I understand you're standing up for your guy, but the other side is pretty pissed too.
0: That first line left winger spot is cursed for the Carolina Hurricanes. Patcheri, Achilles, Svechnikov out for this season. Teravainen out for the playoffs potentially. They can't. They can't keep anybody there. Don't put Jarvis there. Hurt. We need to protect him. Luckily, he's a right winger. But who's next? Stefan Stefanosin. This this is a big issue for the Carolina Hurricanes. Teravainen was a is. A big part of that offense if he is out for the rest of the series don't be surprised if the islanders win the next two at home it's a best of three this series is far from over with teravina being out he was he is a big part of this carolina hurricanes team so if they can somehow get past the islanders gosh if he's not ready for for the second round it's going to be done for them because he is so incredibly important for them so i don't know that's that's a big, big kind of injury for them. I would be pissed if I was Rod the Bot as well. They're going in to the island, up to nothing. Very exciting. Antti Rance is playing well. Not great. Playing okay. So exciting third uh, third matchup for them. Moving up. Wild Stars. We mentioned goaltender situations. A strange one happened in Minnesota. Gustafson, the Wilds goaltender, starting goaltender for game one. Played fantastic they had no business winning that game versus the Dallas Stars if he's not in this now he doesn't get the start Marc-Andre Fleury gets to start a lot of people are talking I know some people in Minnesota they feel like Marc-Andre Fleury is put in this situation because of his relationship with Billy Guerin they played together in Pittsburgh they love each other they're boys Marc-Andre Fleury if he gets a win he ties Grant Fuhr for the most wins in playoff history There's a lot of incentivizing things there for Marc-Andre Fleury to get the win. All that being said, your goaltender, Gustafson stole you the first game. Stole it. Dallas Stars played better. Gustafson stood on his head. Why not start him again? I get it was a double overtime game. Maybe he's tired, blah, blah, blah. He's not tired. He had a day off. He didn't do anything. He's fine. So all those people saying it's smart. We're going to hold them out. Jared Ottinger played pretty good last night. He was also in that double overtime game. Goalies are fine. What do you make of this? I know they did it in the regular season. You know how I feel about this. I don't like this goaltender net sharing type of deal in the playoffs. I think you pick a guy and you run with them. What did you think of this? Is this okay? Because they did it in the regular season. Mark andre Fleury, I think he should have started game one, but they didn't. Gustafson played fantastic what do you do now it's mark only for done for the playoffs it was such a bad performance and he didn't even play good he didn't even play interested there are many goals he gave up he just looked annoyed almost that the puck was going in the net i don't
1: know what do you think Tim? is it just a bad decision by uh, dean Evanson? It's a head scratcher because, like you said, Gustafson gets fifty-one saves in the win in Game One. Then you put Flurry in for some reason, and he lets up seven goals on thirty-one shots. And the worst part about all of this, this decision you make and this outcome, this messes with both goalies. This is this is uh, in, they're both in their head now. Like Gustavson, like what did I do to not get the start in Game Two? Flurry's he said he was embarrassed by his outcome and in his performance in Game Two. So you're messing with both of them when you when you do this this way. And so yeah, I I don't understand it. And just to to kind of put it into context, everyone's
0: like, well, he's being consistent, this and that. Last year, the Minnesota Wild, their first round, they got blown out by the blues seven to three. Marc Andre Fleury was the goaltender. Guess who played game two? Marc Andre Fleury. So it it goes against everything that they did last year when they were net sharing as well. So when when they had Cam Talbot. So it, it goes against everything that they've their history. It just, uh, it was a bad decision. It was a very bad decision. You should have played Gustafson. Now it's one, one. And like you said, there's a controversy. Does Mark Andre see the net? He can't see the net anymore. It's gotta be Gustafson net from here on out. Another major little tidbit from this game. Rupe Hints He had himself a game boy gets a hat trick steps up. The Dallas stars looked very, very fast. Minnesota wild. Couldn't keep up. Joe Pav's out friend of the show. Don't know his status, but what a game to pick to step up if you're Rupe Hints. He's already good. Everybody knows he's he's a solid player. But to get a hat trick in this situation, very, very fun. Good for him. Any other players in Dallas stand out, Tim, because of this win?
1: I mean, Hintz was the guy. Hints was the guy. That first goal, the shorthanded one on the turnover. sweet, yeah. With a snipe. Mm-hmm. He was a snipe, and I—that's one of the things I've been kind of keeping an eye on this so far in the playoff series—are the goals, the saves you're supposed to make. I know it's a term you use a lot. Is like when you got a guy—I mean, that was sort of a breakaway, I guess—but like when you have got a guy, and you have an unobstructed like view, and he's coming streaking down, the defenseman forces them outside, and he scores on you just because he beats you with a shot. That's a save you're supposed to make. I don't know if this is quite in that territory just because he was sort of on a breakaway He choose to shoot it instead of Deke, but I have been noticing that and Fleury wanted that one back badly. You can see his reaction right away. So that was a that was a snipe.
0: I don't think that one was nearly as bad as his third break, his third goal, which was also a breakaway. Fleury attempts a half-hearted poke check, and he almost just lays down sideways and he's frustrated that the puck goes. It was a terrible game for Mark de Fleury. Terrible game. You know who's bad? Been bad so far in this playoffs. Alex Lyon for the Florida
1: Panthers. Marshawn has scored two terrible goals on him, both from the same spot. He's made some big saves though. Too. He has he, the side to side. He's one of the best I've seen so far. Is his his ability to get across and stop the one timer. He's done it on several, probably three two on one so far in two games. He's looked yeah. He's those, looked two
0: good. Mar- those two Marsh those two Marshawn goals are terrible. All right, moving on must win game for the Edmonton Oilers. Absolutely must win game. You can't go down to nothing going to L.A. and expect to win the series. They step up. They come out. They have a big win, which must feel good going back to L.A. tied up. It's Drain team now. It's his team. The guy looked like he was playing with boys. It's amazing when he gets the puck for a guy his size, the acceleration that he gets and the power that he can produce from blue line to blue line. It's, cr- it's crazy to see him get the puck and turn those massive shoulders up ice, and away, away he goes. I'm not trying to slight McDavid. He still played fantastic. McDavid was all over the ice. He was good. He gets one assist, a nice pass to Drayen across cross ice on the power play, but this is this is Leon's team. Don't you get that sense? He was the most dangerous player. He was playing like a man amongst
1: boys last night. It was It was something else. He's been the best player through two games. That first that first goal they scored where he deked the guy at the blue line and then passed it down to, um, was it uh, Derek Ryan got the rebound? That was like yeah. a video game deke. That's not something the NHL players are supposed to be able to pull off against other NHL defensemen. Like, that doesn't happen. Even to attempt it was kind of crazy. And then the fact that he pulled it off was pretty special. And so, yeah, it feels like it's his team right now. Um, and I kind of on the flip side, I know you said McDavid had a good game, but now we're at a situation, two games in, McDavid's team, supposedly, and he only has one point, and it's on the power play, no five-on-five, five, no goals. Are you concerned about that at all?
0: Um, not not yet. He's getting chances. He's not a liability on defense. He, he's playing good. He's, he needs to score if they if they have any chance of winning, because even their third goal was kind of a gift. Klim Kostin gets that goal. It, that was a gift. They get an empty netter to seal it off, so it was a close game. I think LA really does play the Oilers really, really tight. Going back to LA, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if LA wins the next two. I think they played really good hockey. Philip Denol gets one. Gabriel Velarde gets his first. It's it's gonna be a long series. This one could go to seven, but it it was a must-win game for Edmonton. They stepped up. Dreinsid all played fantastic. It's gonna be fun, Tim. I like this series. All right, let's let's just uh you want to touch on the last series or no? Or we did all four. Fantastic. We got games tonight. Predictions. Leafs similar situations to the Edmonton Lighter. Oilers, they have to win, and they're getting a ton of help. Victor Hedman most likely won't play. He only played five minutes last game. No one knows what's wrong with him because it's a playoffs. He's going to be out. Eric Turnak's out. That I's going to be out. Everybody's injured for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Toronto's healthy. They're coming in. They should have a massive, gigantic chip on their shoulder. Who are you taking? Is it it too much to say that Toronto could win a game in (laughs) in decisive fashion here? This is what they need to do. They need to go out and dominate. That's what they need to do. So who wins
1: this game, Tim? I I think they will win. I thought they were going to win game one. I think they bounce back. They have to. And it's weird to think that a game two could be a must win, but it's a must win. It just is. You can't go down to nothing back in Tampa, even with those injuries. This is just not a team you can go down to nothing too. So yeah, I think it's a must win. I think Toronto does win. And I, I'm be curious to know, like whether they win or not, who's going to be their guy tonight. Is it going to be Matthews? Is it going to be Nylander Tavares, or is it going to be the death players? Do those guys not show up and you win off big moments or from Aston Reese and Kerfoot and guys like that, or the defense, like who's going to be the guy that says, let's go boys. Well, it's who's not going gonna... to be Michael Bunting.
0: We know that because he just got suspended for three games. So we won't see him until at least
1: game five. If best, we'll I saw some tweets that were like, Michael Bunting's out three games. Oh, my God, he's done for the playoffs.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's really funny. Very, very good stuff. But yeah, I um, I hope Toronto wins. I think they will. They'll take advantage of the lightning injury situation. It's going to go back. I think all four of these games are must win for the home team. You can't lose your first two games at home and expect to win this series. So we're both taking the Leafs, the Rangers, Devils. I'm taking the Rangers, Tim. I think they were strong. I think they were poised. I think the Devils were out of sorts and I don't think the Devils I don't think they win. <laughs> Obviously, I'm picking the Rangers. I, I just like the New York Rangers team this year. So I'm taking them. You I'm I'll pick for you. You're going to think the Devils come back and win this game. Jack Hughes is going to get 7 goals and they're going to win the game. You said it. Let's move on. All right, Kraken Avalanche. I think you know, the midnight has conked the crack underdone. done. I think the avalanche are going to win the next four and away we go. So I'm taking the avalanche.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I a uh, cool little moment. My uncle is friends with, uh, Matty Benier's dad. They used to work together, both South shore people and around Boston. He said he called them yesterday, all excited about game one and everything, which is kind of cool. So I wish I'm going to, I want to get him on the show. I'm trying to do that this summer.
0: You I want to get your uncle on the show.
1: Yeah, talk about uh, just being my uncle and family stories. No, veneers. I want to get veneers on. Um, you said yesterday you still fully expect the Avalanche to win the next four. I still think that's very, very possible, but definitely game two. Avalanche, there's no way they go down to nothing to the Seattle Kraken. There's just no way. So
0: Agreed. Last one, West Coast, Jets, Vegas. Are we going to see Jonathan Quick? Who's going to get the pipes and who's going
1: to win? I think they come back with Corpus Allo. Um, oh, I do think Corpus Allo.
2: Who's going to get traded? No, uh, Boursois. Bur- Boursois.
1: Boursois. um All right, you. Th- Eichel's the guy I got my eye on tonight. We talked about him. His first playoff debut is no points, minus three. Will he bounce back? Um, I want to see at least a, a point from him, and I want to see the Vegas Golden Knights win. And then you kind of look at Mark Stone. We said it the other day, whose team is it? It's Mark Stone's if it's anyone's. So I want to see him have a big game too. Yep, he's been slotted up front with Jack
0: Eichel and Chandler Stevenson. They're just going all in on that first line. Hopefully they can get some offense. I think it's going to come down to their back end, though. I think you need to get better production from Martinez, Peter Angelo, McNabb, Theodore. Those four have to be much, much better. They have to slow down the Winnipeg Jets. Dubois, Connor, Wheeler, these guys, they're going to be flying again. These four need to step up. They need to play each 25 minutes if they have any chance of winning, which they do because they're very good players. So I'm taking Vegas. I'm taking Jonathan quick between the pipes. It's going to be a fantastic night. Get out there and watch some games, everybody. And gosh, are we going to talk to you tomorrow? Maybe just make it five in a row. We'll see how it goes. Have a good night, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with John Scott, a member of the nation network of podcasts.
2: Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode.